0: Podcast, home to stories that haunt these stories may contain graphic depictions of violence or explicit language listener discretion is advised The woman in the red coat is walking on the crest of the hill across the valley from me. I can only just make her out through the fog that has settled as the temperature drops, getting heavier all the time. The landscape of trees and grass, already blanketed with a few inches of snow, is muted to vague greyish lumps and mounds. She has a blue LED-lit ball loaded into a ball thrower in one hand, and this allows me to track her precisely, even as the haze thickens. She's lost her dog. She's been blasting the whistle for ten minutes, maybe more, shouting its name. I see her here, sometimes, and her dog. It's a huge, lumbering thing, part deerhound, part Great Dane, part... I don't know, (laughs) quarter horse. It has no coordination, huge paws. Mine has big paws, too, but mine has grace. She's making her way along the crest as it descends towards the river, The fog is thickest there, the billowing saturated air clinging close to its liquid cousin. She's shouting again. The thin strains of her voice echo weakly along the river valley and are deadened by the woods behind me. Stupid name, Boris. I lose sight of her briefly and know she's behind the gorse at the foot of the slope. I stare at the area I expect her to reappear in and count slowly in my head. I expect she'll appear at five, but I see the blue flashing again just after I get to four. She blasts on a whistle again. It's a dog whistle, though one of those that's audible to humans. Two short blasts, one long. At first, she sounded quite jovial, humor there still, in the long exhalations into the whistle. But gradually she'd begun to sound impatient, and now there was just a hint of anxiety. The whistle pitch is the same no matter what, but she manages to make it sound more shrill, more insistent, despite this. I don't usually come at this time. I like to run mine first thing when the day is fresh and the land is still discovering itself in today. The deer are here, then, and the foxes. At this time there are only people and inadequately trained dogs. Not for us. But the fog was so tempting when it began to form, so we came out. Out into the veil of it. She's on the footbridge. It's closer, and the sharp slope behind her sends her voice to me. She's on the phone. Fucking lost him, she says. I don't know. The snow's not too bad, but it's really foggy now, and it's sunset soon. I can feel it getting darker. I am not party to the other half of the conversation. Just go to the school and get them, she's saying. I'll keep looking if I have to. I'll call you, but I I don't want the kids wandering around in this. We should have bought him that GPS tracker, I told you. Uh, Text me if he shows up at the house. The light is moving again, so she must be too. She's walking towards the old Roman road now, an ancient washed-out path enfolded by two lines of ancient sycamores. I just came that way. It's icy there today. Yesterday's meltwater arrested on its way to the river. But it's so rutted the footing is alright, regardless. "'Fucking dog!' comes floating up. "'There's a solitary lump on the meadow at the top of the Roman road, "'and I consider it a while. "'It looks sort of like a dog. "'I look to see her progress. "'She passes from time to time between the elderly trunks. "'I see the regular flashes of blue light. "'As she comes towards the end and is climbing up my side of the valley, "'out of the densest fog, "'I begin to see the red of her coat again, "'bright against the pale shades of fog and snow.' She whistles again and shrieks the name. There is an edge of panic to her voice. As she emerges onto the meadow, she stops, and I realize she's seen the lumpen thing too. For a long moment, she is just looking in that direction. The lump moves, a shambling gait, not unlike a graceless dog, I think. She calls the name again and it lifts its head, uncurling an impossibly long snout and raising it, sniffing the air. Perspective is difficult in low visibility. Is it large or is it nearby? She falls silent. People love their creatures, don't they? I am up here around dawn year-round with mine. And she must love hers, wandering around in the freezing fog, shouting a stupid name, hoping it will return to her, to be taken home and given leftovers and belly rubs, a spot beside her on the sofa. Our non-human companions inspire the most humanity in us. Humans will spit on their homeless, starving fellow man while adopting donkeys hundreds of miles away to help provide them food and shelter. They will begrudge the disabled government assistance, but allow a lazy, even actively malign creature to live rent-free and well-fed in their home. They despise a litterbug, but will happily pick up the literal shit of their companion from their own carpets, without retribution or even recrimination. We like our creatures more than we like our fellow man, our family, maybe even ourselves. It's not the dog, she has realized. She begins to move up the slope of the meadow towards the edge of the woodland. The lump and thing is moving too, low to the ground, shambling diagonally up the slope, keeping pace with her. She stops and it stops. She moves and it moves. I watch this dance, my own pulse quickening a little as I do. It's like a big dog, I think. Or, more like through the fog and through unwitting eyes, it's not very unlike a big dog. She stops again, and this time it doesn't. Then she lets out a little gasp, not silent, but not quite a scream, a little surprised yelp of alarm. Then she begins to run, towards me, the blue light pumping up and down. (laughs) The lit-up ball is classic, isn't it? We indulge them. A sausage, a steak, a ball that squeaks, a new coat. (laughs) Somehow we like to lavish even our most meagre excess on them. In exchange only for the gift of giving it. That's the deal, the contract. We will give, they will receive. And in their receiving we will see ourselves remade, generous, kind, worthy. I wait where I am, just at the edge of the woodland, beside a large shrub against which I am well concealed in the fog. She's a fast runner. She's charging towards me, even uphill at quite a pace. The lumpen thing is coming after her, eagerly, but not in earnest, I think. Not yet. It canters rather than races. I can't really make much detail out. It's just a loping shape stirring the mists up behind her. It's sort of madness, really this symbiosis in which we live with creatures, especially with the more useless creatures, a parrot, a tortoise, a fish. They give us joy in exchange for what? Control over them, their lives? But where is her control over the lost Boris? And where is mine for that matter? I think it's just because we love them and we need them to remind us that we are creatures too. She's getting closer. I begin to make out more detail. Her red coat is long, knee-length. Below it, her pumping legs are clad in long brown boots. She's wearing one of those Scandi-type hats with the ear flaps, and the pom-poms on the untied strings of those ear flaps are flying behind her. It's black and white, her hat, with snowflakes or or maybe stars. The thing chasing is moving up a gear now. I hear the distant thunder of huge paws quicken. She's narrowing the gap between us. She's only about a hundred yards out now. And I hold my breath, waiting to see her see me. She screams. Help! A breathless wheeze of a scream. Oh, help! Someone, please! It's coming! Oh, what is it? I see two blue lights and I'm puzzled. Then I realize she has a phone in her other hand, the screen lit. The lights pump up and down, one lower, one higher as she runs. She's only 50 yards out now. She really is fast. I step out towards her, but only a few feet, just a little away from the shrub. The chase will be over soon now anyway. I can make out individual limbs. The thrashing tail, the foot-long snout, the jaws apart, tongue lolling. Her eyes are frantic. Now I can see them, and I look away. I don't want to see them. She yells again, making me look again, and I realize she hadn't seen me because now she does see me, and she shouts directly at me, directly at my face, her writhing eyes rolling in their sockets. Run! She screams. I feel a huge pang then, of regret and of impotent mercy, because it's too late. Mine is astride behind her, and mine leaps. And with a dull crunch, mine bites through the back of her neck, and it's over. Finished. The two of them tumble into a heap together, one inert, the other electrified. The wet sounds of tearing and crunching begin immediately, and I turn away. The hat is navy, I see, as I go, navy and cream, navy and red. Red. I retrieve the unfortunate Boris from the shrub, dragging his limp form by the harness down to where his human lies in a widening patch of crimson snow. Mine began with him, and will return to him shortly, I know. I don't watch, but I can't help but hear. I sit in the white snow a little way away, and I let myself think about it. This is what I do. This time is for that. Once this time is over, I will let it be over. But for now, I think about the belly rubs and sofa time Boris won't get. I think about the dinner and the warm home the woman won't go back to. I think about the children the person on the other end of the phone call was collecting. The woman's children, now motherless, also Boris-less. A few tears well up and I let them fall. In this way, I feel I am set apart from other humans. After all, did she let tears fall at supper time when she slopped the tin of food into the bowl of Boris? Very unlikely. But the contents of that tin was once the liquid eyed baby of another creature, loved and admired by its own kind. Wanted. She was not more than that. The wet slurpy crunching goes on for about twenty minutes, and I let myself think the whole time about all the things Boris and his human were, and what they meant to others. About all the things they won't do and be and see now. I try to pay them tribute in my small way. The sun has set, and the greys purple and bleed into darkness around me. After a time, I hear mine slink away, down to the river, and I get to my feet. There was a distant splashing, and presently mine is back, wet but clean, and coming to me. Pushing the long snout against me, mine lays its head against my chest, the brow just below my chin, the nose almost at my crotch. We stand like this for a few long, slow, appreciative breaths. It loves me, I know, for this gift. Dearer O.K., But this is what it was born to hunt. Man. It pulls away a little and looks at me with glittering silver eyes, shot through with threads of emerald. A look full of satisfaction and thanks. It was a good question, she asked, her last. What is it? I burrow my fingers into the shaggy, damp fur of the huge head and feel the heat underneath radiate out, warming my hands. The night I hit it in my car, out on the gravel road in the middle of nowhere, it was a gangly coyote. But when it was healed and still with me a few months later and had gained 40 more pounds, 10 more inches, it was a wolf, I'd decided. Six months after that, it was taller than the ponies I used to ride as a kid, and I stopped thinking I knew what it was. By then, it was just mine. That's what it is. Mine. The light has died enough that I can't see the crimson of the saturated snow now, only that it's darker than that around it. I hear distant voices, and somewhere up on the ridge there's a dim glow of torchlight failing to penetrate the fog. Come on, I say. They'll be here soon. Together we walk, me scuffing my tracks as I do back up to the treeline. Mine's back is shoulder height to me, and I throw an arm over as we go, a companionable one-armed hug It can be an unpleasant business at times having a pet but you have to indulge them sometimes don't you story was written by Beck Stranger and narrated by Ben Chandler. Our Patreon is officially live, so for more stories that haunt, as well as a behind-the-scenes look at what we do and why we do it, please join our Patreon at patreon slash pleaseleavepod. You can follow Please Leave on Facebook and Instagram at pleaseleavepod. Our email is pleaseleavepod at gmail.com, and our website is pleaseleavepod.com. This has been a Two Penguins media production. Quack!